Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. Hello. And as always, I am joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are offering you our services as a distraction from the <laughs> historical insanity that I'm sure is overtaking every other streaming service and network that you are subscribed to or own or is pumped into your home. We are one of the several dozen people out there offering you a distraction from all of that as Vince and I sit down to review 1996 comedy The Nutty Professor starring, yes, yes. starring Eddie Murphy and Jada Pinkett. Um, this is a bit of a curveball an audible yes if you will if you are a subscriber to our new newsletter the michelle mission dispatch vince and i were scheduled to review spike lee's get on the bus from 1996 tonight but we had to do a switcheroo because get on the bus is no longer on netflix <laughs> get on the bus got on the bus and left yes they got going <laughs> Well, um, so they they were moved from Netflix on October 31st. So me and Vince are going to have to do a little swapping of DVDs in order to review that film. So look for our review of Get on the Bus in two weeks, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, yes, yes. In two weeks, we'll be doing that. But tonight, we're reviewing Vince's other selection for November, The Nutty Professor. It's true. We are. So it still promises to be fun. Uh, and shout out to each and every one of you who are joining us and watching us streaming live on Facebook as well as on YouTube. I see Robert Monroe, Aaron Fry, Deborah Battle. Always the hey, first what's ones. Going on? What's going on, folks? Always on front row duty. Um, mm -hmm. And I join all three of them as well as seemingly every missionary ever made throughout all of time based on the post in wishing you Vince a very happy 50th birthday it's true it's true and I, and I certainly thank everyone for their well wishes they were very much appreciated uh, it was it was touching it was like wow people took time out of their day so thank you very much thank you so Vince this is a big one Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's, five it's, oh, brother. Five oh, five oh, half a century. I was, I was joking with with <laughs> with my friend. He um said happy birthday. He and his family, and my goddaughter said wow. And, and I said to him, I was like, wow. A a Avery just thinks I was in the civil rights movement, doesn't she? <laughs> and he was like. She certainly does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, bruh. As one who uh passed this milestone a little way a little ways ago, um, 
Welcome to the, it, I would say this is probably the, the second tier of the old jokes. Now, okay, okay, God level. Oh, dog, dog. <laughs> like you, at least you got civil rights because you know you're you're only <laughs> you're only fifty. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? I get so, Len. Did Moses hold your hand across the Red Sea? That's right, what I right. get. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. That's what I Very see. Very nice. Uh, Deborah Battle says, welcome to Club 50. We had the best parties, Vince. I, I know we have the best music. <laughs> um, you know that you know what? That's that that might be true. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You might you might have a good point. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Because if you're in your 60s, that means your music was Motown. Yes, but we got Big Daddy Kane. Okay. All right. All right. I want to ride with you. I, I'm just going to let, I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight this battle. Um, <laughs> before we get into our review, ladies and gentlemen of the Nutty Professor, as always, we like to take a moment and go over all of the feedback that we get from each and every one of you. Sometimes you hit us up on email and Vince, we got an email from a longtime listener of the show, George Kimona, that I don't yeah. believe, I don't believe I shared this one on air. Uh, this was George Kimona after he listened to our review of the sweet blood of Jesus. Okay. What's up, George? So it's got a little age on it, but here it goes. Gents, with all the virtual cons and people at the job interrupting me with work, the nerve, I'm a bit behind on mission logs, but I wanted to see the sweet blood of Jesus first since it was on a streaming service. Man, this movie was rough. <laughs> From the beginning, Spike sets us up with that interesting montage of the dancer during the opening credits. No Rosie Perez, but definitely the last man, black man in San Francisco vibes. Uh, so what I was expecting wasn't what I got. And as I was watching it, I thought to myself, maybe I should have seen the original first in case I missed some of the subtlety from the original. Either way, the train pulled out of the station and immediately crashed into a school bus full of blind children. The... Oh. <laughs> I miss George. <laughs> The the cast was just there cashing a check or miscast completely. I've never seen Stephen Tyrone Williams before, but man, he was dead before he drank the blood. Mm. I would love to understand the choice to play it that way. Uh, Zariah Abrahams was a bit more interesting, but our character as written was another head scratcher. All this movie did was make me question things and not in a good way, like Lost. Questions like, mm. did he leave that baby any money after he killed his mother? And <laughs> was the baby in the room when they were doing it? And oh, no. <laughs> why was Snoop in this movie playing a prostitute? That wasn't Snoop. Oh, Snoop. That's right. Snoop no. from, uh, Snoop no, from the, yeah, wire. From from the, the wire. wire. From the Wire, yeah. Um, I'm not trying to typecast, but she seems so forced and unnatural. All in all, 
I need Amazon to have a two-factor button, something that says, are you sure you want to burn two hours of your life? I'm going to stop now and listen to your take. Yeah, 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 yeah. The sweet-blooded Jesus was 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 a misfire. A bit. A bit of a, bit, a misfire. A I love the misfire. fact that you were so scarred by Snoop's scene that you forgot she was in it. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. But now it's uh, that image. Is, That's easily one of the most disturbing things that I've seen since we've started this journey. Yeah, it is. And no disrespect to the actress. No, just it's it's like that in James Earl Jones's thighs and Claudine. <laughs> Point. Point. It's like when I woke up this morning, this is not where I thought I would land. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Uh, listen, Deborah Battle, you know, she, they have fun in the comments, Vince. And in hey, regards Deborah. to our, our subtle little jibe about which generations have the best mu- music, she says that, that and. I'm going to show her here. Deborah Battle says that the 50s have the Jacksons, Stevie Wonder, and Anita Baker. I'm going to call you on that, uh, Deborah. Um, the Jacksons, who probably, it's fair, reached their zenith in the early to mid-70s. Um, yes. Which, if you are in your 50s, you were maybe winding your way into like eight or nine, 10 years, 10 years of age. If you want to give yourself to Jackson's, I'm not going to argue too hard on you, but I think when you're talking about the music of your generation, I think and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Vince, I think the ages that you're really talking about are the ages between maybe 12, 13 and college when you've started to develop your own taste right, and right. you're not just marinating fair. on what is being played in your home. I think that's fair. I, I, I absolutely think that's fair. I, I was going to say when you start buying records on your own. Yeah. Even, that's even a better. You start okay. buying records on your own. Now here's where it gets complicated though. Okay. For people like us. And I do mean you and me specifically. You know, I always talk about that moment when you were either beat digging yourself mm-hmm. or you were just around that culture. That's right. That's right. So that in my mind, someone like Donald Byrd mm. or the meters mm-hmm. belong to me more than they do my uncle or my father. Yeah, yeah, that, that's because they didn't re- they didn't really rock with them like that. <laughs> yeah, and we kind of excavated them. Yeah, but you didn't rock with them. You didn't rock with them. You you rocked to the music of theirs that was appropriated for something else. Right, but still, if 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 when it came out, nobody really messed with them like that. Like, I think the meters made $37 the entire time they were making records. Like, the meters had 98 records. And then, like, the 
You know, the Neville brothers came in and took over and they became the Neville brothers. And what nobody think about the meters. <laughs> okay. Okay. True. Then like everybody, you know, again, excavated and used all these drum beats. And now it's like 22 year olds running around in the nineties. And now suddenly the meters have money. You trying to tell me we can't claim the meters. Okay. But it, okay. Then where do you go then? with James Brown. No, no, no. James Brown was actually popular. Okay, like so it matters your right, level right. of like popularity not, of your music. Right, right. I'm not claiming James Brown. I'm not claiming Funkadelic. Okay, okay. But like all them jazz souls, you know. You know what? Herbie no. Hancock is wrong because Herbie Hancock like had a career. But it's like, 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 when we were talking um, during Brother John mm-hmm. about Quincy Jones's seventies albums, mm-hmm. didn't nobody listen to them albums until people started sampling them? Yeah, but you know what? You know what? There's a reason why. I, I, that's a very dangerous, slippery slope. And you know why the name that is hitting me in my head is Minnie what? Ripper is Minnie Ripperton, because Minnie Ripperton. What? Hold up. As popular as Minnie Ripperton was when she came out, right? But she wasn't. She absolutely was not popular when she was out. Well, okay, but she had she had some hit records. She had like two hit records. She look, That's she had like it- two hit records, and one of them came out after she died. Okay, but if you but if you're going to tell the people that were around at the time of Minnie Ripperton that she wasn't part of of their generation and she's just a part of the hip-hop generation because of q-tip and tribe called quest dude seven people listened to minnie ripperton when she was out that's not true that's not true it is 100 percent true it's not i listen minnie ripperton was playing all the time in my house dude dude you know what here's the thing you know what my big joker is to pull out in the minnie ripperton argument when she died and Stevie Wonder yelled at everybody on Soul Train about it. <laughs> so it's you versus me and Stevie Wonder. <laughs> if you look, if y'all have never seen that clip, it's the most fantastic clip where Stevie Wonder chastises Soul Train for not supporting Minnie Ripperton. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, I, I don't know. I just I I'm not sure if I like the idea. I see where you're going with it. I see where you're okay. going with it. But the especially but once you started kind of like you just kind of slid in there like the the old jazz stuff and sure, sure. And and, and I think that that is like a really great area because was it super popular? Maybe not here, but you know, you know, there was some place where those jazz musicians were king. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's necessarily fair. So I think the music belongs of the generation in which it was made and appreciated or even underappreciated. And if another generation finds it and is able to repurpose it in some way, that's great. And make a little piece of it theirs, fantastic. But the music belongs to the generations where it's created. That's how I see it. I mean, you know, I just like to argue about the music. Well, and and I and I and I 100% was like walking in my house with stuff and was like, 
how come you weren't playing this in 1973? <laughs> and people were like, what the hell are you talking about right now? <laughs> De La Soul sampled this obscure French instruction album from 1981. How come no one ever played this in the house? <laughs> You're stupid, man. You are stupid. <laughs> You're straight silly. Um, I want to talk about a couple of stories, Vince, okay. that, that we saw on in our Facebook group. Shout out to our fa- Facebook group, Michelle Mission, where everybody likes to send us stories and people go back and forth talking about all of the news that is happening in Black Hollywood. And I don't know how much you are aware of this story, Vince. Um, it ran originally in the sun out of the U.K., Mm-hmm. Now, Channel 5 overseas has sparked a, a bit of a row after casting black actress Jodie Turner-Smith, who we all saw yeah, in yeah. Queen and Slim. They've cast her to play the Tudor queen Anne Boleyn in a new period drama, three-part psychological drama exploration of the life of King Henry VIII. Um, right, lo- right. And for those who do not know, uh, Anne Boleyn uh, was a, the British queen. Um, she was white. And yes, yes. Jodie yes. Turner Smith from Queen and Slim is black. And if uh, you don't believe me, <laughs> yeah. uh, let me show you right there. There you go. Which one of these is Jodie Turner Smith? <laughs> you tell me. Um, did you hear about this story, Vince? What's your, what are your thoughts about this? I did hear about it. I, I I don't. Is it terrible that I don't care? Is is that bad? Mm. Is that is mm. that bad that mm. I don't care? Well, it's not bad. I, I well, let's put it this way. It's on brand for you. Yeah, I feel like it's supposed to elicit some type of reaction. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like stunt casting mm. slash trolling. Mm. I guess I'd probably care more if I was interested in the project. Well, okay, but how do you feel about the because what the the big you know rugamaru about it is that they are casting a black woman um, to play a historical white woman, you know, right? Um, which is you know not done. <laughs> um, right it, it's not done it's usually I, done I, the other way around i i think the reason i s- just see it as stunt casting or as non-consequential is because as you said Anne Boleyn just sort of historically it's agreed upon that she's white mm-hmm. like she's actually white mm-hmm. now if 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 jody turner smith had been cast to play Cleopatra. Yes. Or if she had been cast to play, and I forget what span like there's a Spanish queen that that if you look at her background, like there's been some debate about whether or not she was descended from the Moors and mm. and whether she was, you know, she was black. Or like if there's an Alexander Dumas um biopic and they cast a black man. 
Mm-hmm. Like then, then you got something going on because that challenges this sort of accepted belief about what this historical figure looked like. Right. In my mind, this doesn't really like there's nothing disruptive about this. You don't think you so? You know, it's just it's it's just sort of stunt casting. Okay. All right. So I don't care. I mean, you know, like if people like I like things that upset racist. <laughs> well, well, I mean, then what do you say about the people who got up in arms about the casting? Speaking of Cleopatra, uh, of the casting, not so much casting because she's actually producing it of Wonder Woman Gal Gadot, who will be producing and playing Cleopatra in right. a production and there were people well, that are up in arms about that well you, you know I, I think the cleopatra thing gets real thorny because it's always a back and forth about what was cleopatra's actual racial background because right you, you know depending on you know i don't know if she was adopted or or you know her lineage or you know i have to say and and we've talked about certain things like this before. There's a type of conversation that I used to really be in when I was like in my 20s. And then like 15 minutes into the conversation, I realized I didn't really care. <laughs> so you went and got a drink? Right, right. Or I just sat there and started thinking about other stuff. You know, like, why did they dress Chim Chim like Spritel? Like, I feel like they never... <laughs> like, we skip right over, why do the racers have a pet monkey? Like, we skip right over that. Here we go. And no one ever acknowledged the fact that they dressed Chim Chim like Spritel. Like, why, why is he dressed like Spritel? And 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 no one, like no one, no one is bothered by this. Or like they called the mammoth car a mammoth car. Like they didn't have a word for truck. <laughs> like why do they call it a mammoth car? It's clearly a truck. Why aren't they using the word truck? Do they not have trucks in Japan? <laughs> It's no translation. The truck translates into mammoth car. And why is the monkey dressed like your son? Or why is your son dressed like the monkey? Dressed like the monkey. So like I would be in a room and people would talk about Phoenicia and 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 shipping routes and 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 where people and that's what and that's what I'd be over in the corner thinking about. Is that bad? Does that mean like am I the am I the wrong one here? You be sitting there on channel 17. Are y'all watching this? Do y'all see? Do y'all not see? Right. You ever notice Speed Racer killed like seven people in the opening credits? Dude! <laughs> he killed like seven people. He runs people off the road. Right! <laughs> Lands the Mark Five on top of brothers. 
like when they said he was a demon on wheels, even as a kid, I was like, I feel like the authorities should be involved. <laughs> he just killed seven people. And why is the monkey dressed like his brother? <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Gal Gadot is playing Cleopatra and you know, sure, fine. Okay, fine, sure. Fine. Like y'all, y'all look, y'all mad about Lovecraft Country and Watchmen and and quietly you still a little crunchy about Black Panther, so fine, throw him Cleopatra. Fine, <laughs> sure. All right. Ain't nobody gonna go see ain't nobody gonna go see it, so it don't matter. <laughs> yeah, probably. I probably won't go see it this year. Probably. Like we don't talk about that. Like we're like we're like we all get up in arms about this casting now. But then when the smoke clears, you realize ain't nobody go see that. Ain't nobody goes to see it. You're right. So you know, <laughs> fine, sure. It's true. Okay, fine. It's true. Um, another story that hit the um. <laughs> George Kimona said, "Okay, this is what happens when you walk in late." <laughs> Yeah, you missed it, George. <laughs> you missed it, George. You may want to hit rewind. Um, another story that hit the wires was um, Wesley Snipes did an interview. Yeah, yeah. With The Guardian, where, uh, among other things, as he's talking about, um, uh, it's an interview that he does where... Wesley Snipes talks about art, excellence, and life after prison. I hope I came out a better person. After a fall as dramatic as any of his film roles, Wesley Snipes is back on track, starring with Eddie Murphy in the long-awaited Coming to America. He discusses police brutality, Michael Jackson, as well as his secret society. Um, It is a very interesting interview that he does. And he actually, Vince, if uh, you, I haven't had a chance to read through it. I just kind of like glanced over it. But you mentioned that um, he is um, dispelling certain myths about the Wesley Snipes persona. I actually have not read the the entire interview either. I've just seen the the snippet Mm -hmm. about this where he addresses the Blade Trinity controversy that you and i have mentioned before and and he says they're all lies yes like now for those who, all, th- those who just turning in the blade trinity uh controversy is that wesley snipes um filmed the the third part the second sequel to blade blade trinity um where they basically shoehorned uh additional characters in there with mm-hmm. the uh, under the direction of David Goyer and the comedian Patton Oswald, who had a small part in that role has and purportedly other people as well in, in regards who have worked on the film have spread the rumors of how difficult Wesley Snipes was to work with on that film to the degree that he's actually developed like the stories that say that he actually strangled David Goyer, the director yeah. um, mm-hmm. didn't want people to look him in the eye. Um, and he was, was sending post-its and signing on blade. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. The stories are the, the stories are um, infamous and um, crazy. Yeah, and and not for nothing, Blade Trinity is is a is a pretty bad movie. It's a mess, and everyone points to Wesley Snipes as the reason. Right, his dis uh, disingenuousness in doing right. the film even though the story that I, I have always heard is that he was gung-ho for a second uh sequel he just did not like what they presented in front of him right right which even from our conversations you can kind of see the trend mm-hmm. where each film they dilute blade mm-hmm and if you watch Blade Trinity, regardless of who you believe, you can tell from what's on the screen, they're trying to situate characters for a spinoff. Right. Right. Like it's it's a Blade movie, almost guest starring Blade. Yeah. 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 But but he, you know, he says that the rumors aren't true. And then what I found kind of fascinating is how he he says that people sort of accepted Patton Oswalt's version of it mm-hmm. without any pushback because <clears throat> the default mode for people is to think that the black man is going to be difficult. Right. Right. And I thought that was I thought that was an interesting aspect to introduce into the conversation. Like you, I could have sworn I've heard other people talk about it though. Like I didn't think it was just Patton Oswalt who talked about it. But you know, I'm not a Blade Trinity scholar, so yeah, yeah, I'm not it, it is. Now I am kind of interested. It's, it, I, it, don't be. I mean, to be to be honest, most of the times that I think I've heard people talk about it, have they've either yes and something Patton Oswalt said, or right. have said, well, I can't speak to that. But, you know, it is what it is, you know, so they've kind of like, you know, just brushed it aside. I will say this two years ago or however many years ago when they announced the cast, I was curious to see how Wesley Snipes and Eddie Murphy would get along in a film on a Mm -hmm. film set, Mm -hmm. because I think both of them have these (laughs) reputations as as being you you know not necessarily team players really? eddie murphy i i think you, you i think they both have reputations for ego okay i think both of them have reputations for for you know being difficult it's so funny that that the rumor was that wesley snipes strangled David Gore, because they said the same thing about Eddie Murphy on the set of Coming to America with um, John Landis. John Landis. So I I think it is noteworthy that you have these narratives about these two black men. Mm. And, And not saying I believe it, not saying I don't believe it, but I did make note of it a few years ago when the cast was announced. I was like, huh. I wonder how they'll get along. And then apparently they got along famously. They got along so well that as you just mentioned, 
part of the reason that Wesley Snipes is doing interviews is because he's in coming to America. I know, I know. They, they so, work- it, so you know, it, they always say it's two sides of each story, and then it's the third side, which is the truth. Right. And I think the fact that both of them have worked together so well, perhaps, again, adds another discussion point mm-hmm. to how we talk about Wesley Snipes and Eddie Murphy. And and left off of what you you were referring to, um, some people might be a, a little lost. The project that was announced about them first joining up and being cast together in the film was the Netflix movie Dolomite is my name. Right. I'm sorry. Right. They're right. They're in Dolomite. Exactly. Where they're fantastic together. They are fantastic. Um, Wesley Slimes is fantastic in Dolomite is my name. Almost. He, he definitely steals every scene that he is in. And, right. And you can tell the level of at least respect that the two of them have with one another, because you can tell Eddie is being generous with letting e- him. Exactly. I, I mean, you and I have talked before about Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. and, you know, throughout the years, how much he does and does not collaborate. Mm-hmm. And he is very collaborative in Dolomite is my name. Right. Right. He is very collaborative and, and Dolomite is my name. And that possibly points to him being collaborative in the uh, coming to America, which will be released sometime next year. Um, and it is not on display in the film that we are going to be reviewing this evening. The Nutty <laughs> Professor. Right, right, right. But before I get there, I want to also, as much as we thank people who give us all of their feedback, I want to thank all of you who do the single biggest thing that you can do to help our little show. And that is by going on to Apple Podcasts and giving us a five-star rating and review. We got another five-star rating and review, Vince. Oh, nice. Very nice. This is from Doug624. Hey, Doug624. He says, fantastic podcast. I love your banter before the shows. For the record, (laughs) Nice and Smooth is at a different level than Kid and Play. (laughs) Seriously, how is that up for debate? Thank you, Doug624. This is already my favorite review of our show. (laughs) He continues. You'll like this one, Vince. I am teaching a black directors in American film studies class and your review of daughters of the dust is going to be referenced in the class. Great. Wow. Work. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. How about that? I know. Right. I knew as a, uh, as a, you know, academic, you would appreciate that. I do. I do. He says that I would be curious to your opinions on another foundational black female directed film, and that is Kathleen Collins' Losing Ground. Thanks very much for the show, Doug624. Losing Ground has been on our list for years, and mm-hmm. we just haven't gotten to it. Yep. Yep. You, you know, I, I think much like... um. Much like Killing of Sheep, 
Mm-hmm. It is a film we need to go ahead and do. Yeah, you know, you know, we you, you get two hundred in into this, and you're like, wow, we've done two hundred shows. What haven't we done? And there's so many that we haven't done, and I mean, like, so many name films, so many uh, favorites of people that we haven't done, so many favorites that are on our list. Like you said, we just kind of like just keep pushing down the lane. You know, it's like ah, oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, right. I actually just ran across online a film that you know I've been hankering to do since episode one, and that is Pariah. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, I, I got to get to Pariah soon. Uh, I, I really do. I really do. Um, so, yeah, Losing Ground, like you say, Vince, is definitely one that has been um, it, 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 is, it is due to show up on the mission so stick yeah, around yeah Doug. absolutely yeah stick around we're going to do all of them is what i hear that's the rumor that is the rumor <laughs> <laughs> that we are doing them all and uh that mission continues tonight with our review of 1996 the nutty professor we'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. For Professor Sherman Klump, being the big man on campus was no laughing matter. You got to work out, you got to push a swift. Here we go, one. His body was disproportionate. Anything I can get for you? Juice, coffee, rack of lamb. His family <laughs> was dysfunctional. I don't know why everybody trying to lose weight in the first place. You're talking about that's healthy. I know what healthy is. And his love life. I'm a big fan. Thank you very much. I'm fatter. Flattered. Was disastrous. <laughs> but now, thanks to the miracle of science. <laughs> about to make a change for the thinner. Ah! I'm thin! I'm thin! Looking for any kind of clothes in particular? Spandex! All spandex! Who? Huh? I better call an exorcist! Your lip. What? Your lip is swollen. Grossly overweight yet good-hearted Professor Sherman Klump takes a special chemical that turns him into the slim but obnoxious Buddy Love. And thus, we have the plot of 1996's The Nutty Professor, Vince's selection for tonight's journey on the Michaud mission. This film, directed by Tom Shadiak, uh, starring Eddie Murphy, Jada Pinkett, as well as Larry Miller and James Coburn in a cameo mm. role. Um, 
what it was Eddie Murphy's first $100 million grossing film of the 1990s. And for mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy, this was his personal uh, homage to one of his comic inspirations, Jerry Lewis, who starred in the 1963 classic film of the same name. This film, as I mentioned, is Vince's selection for tonight's stop on the Show mission. Vince, what say you of The Nutty Professor? The Nutty Professor is a film that I should not like. Mm. First of all, it's a remake. And, and you know, I have very, I have very little patience for remakes mm-hmm. be, because my, my first question is, why are you using this talent for this remake and does it justify its own existence? Mm-hmm. Second, it is a black remake, <laughs> which I, a black remake of a white property, which I also am really, really cool towards because I think just conceptually, there's this bit of of condescension about it like like look at the blacks doing white stuff and we can pull it off too Mm -hmm. so so like just the equation of there's a white property but we're gonna have black people do it i just don't like the energy Mm. behind it there are fat suits so i you know it's like it's like fat suits and not only are there fat suits, but you have Eddie Murphy dressed as two women. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just that black men in dresses, all of that. So there really are these layers to why the nutty professor shouldn't work for me right mm-hmm. out the box. Mm-hmm. And when I watched it today, because let's be clear, everybody's seen the nutty professor. Like, 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 I don't like, this is not, this is not killing ground. The Nutty Professor is not killing ground. We're not introducing anyone to the Nutty Professor. Right. Everybody has seen the Nutty Professor. Like you said, the Nutty Professor made $100 million in the 90s. In a lot of ways, when you look at Eddie Murphy's filmography, this is the film that really kind of led into the, the, the second wave of Eddie Murphy's success. That's right. So we've all seen The Nutty Professor. What I was really interested in today was trying to figure out why does a film that has so many elements that I don't like, why do I like it? Mm -hmm. And I came away with a couple of things. First and foremost, I think this script is smarter than you think it is. Mm. Because between the fat jokes and the fart jokes and the, all the stuff, it's you 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 can miss. Like I think there's a fair amount of commentary on the exercise industry of the '90s. Like there's this whole sub, you, you know, these these details about the diet drinks and one of the people that Eddie Murphy dresses up as is um basically a Richard Simmons type character. Yeah. And I think there's something going on there with that. The second thing is I was absolutely fascinated by the commentary by Eddie Murphy and to a certain extent, Dave Chappelle 
on the deaf comedy jam era of comedy. Mm. Like I noticed today, uh, uh, Dave Chappelle plays this very hackneyed black comedian. Reginald Warrington. Reginald Warrington. He's in two scenes. And I noticed both times that they introduce him. The first time they say, you've seen him on Deaf Comedy Jam many times. Mm-hmm. And then the second time they introduce him, they, they actually refer to him as Deaf Comedy Jam's Reggie Warrington. Mm-hmm. And it's all, you know, he starts out with the most hackneyed, you, you, you know, women, women be shopping. Like that's his opening line both times. And then he talks about white men and and it's all you know white men have small penises and that and then he goes right to the insult humor that that's like a staple for you know frankly a lot of comedians who don't have an act like they come out on stage and they make fun of people Mm -hmm. and then of course the 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 buddy love part when buddy love turns it back on him and Buddy Love actually says it. He says, you know, I love how you take a person's physical weakness and call attention to it. And then you make fun of it. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. So that kind of, you know, I, I kind of like that a little bit. And then I think, again, underneath all the, the, the broad humor, there's a bit of heart in this. Like, like you actually like clump like you actually like sherman clump like like he's somebody that there are these moments that you kind of pull for him for him Mm -hmm. like he's kind of you know tripping over himself to get this woman that he's attracted to jada pinkett who i stand by what i said last week when we talked about jada pinkett in um demon night I hope Jada Pinkett got her check for this movie because she didn't have to be here. Like they really could have cut out a, a piece of cardboard and put it in there for Jada Pinkett. But I like Sherman. Like, like you like this character Sherman. The other thing that I had forgotten, the film is surprisingly restrained with his family. They're only in two scenes. And each scene, I think, is five minutes. But mm-hmm. I think, you, you, you know, there's the first scene where he goes to dinner, and then there's a the second scene where he takes Jada Pinkett to dinner to meet his family. And then his parents show up at the end as, as sort of, you know, in this sort of group, this sort of group scene. But I kind of like that. And then not for nothing, look, it is profane, There are fart jokes in both scenes. Death is funny. Mm. Like, there's no way around it. Both of those scenes are funny. Funny. When Eddie Murphy is dressed up as his just profane grandmother, (laughs) she is hilarious. She is actually hilarious. I really like his brother. Mm. Like, I don't think we talk about his brother enough when we, because Eddie Murphy is dressed up. I think I read it. I think he plays seven characters. So he plays both of his parents. He plays his, his, his grandmother. Mm-hmm. 
and then he plays other other characters in the film but of his family he plays those three and then he plays his brother yes his father is very broad his mother you know there's a hercules everybody we all know hercules hercules his grandmother is a hoot mm-hmm. but i love the relatively subtle outrageousness of his brother and how he plays that and I think the brother is the key to the part of the film that keeps it, I think, from being as smart as, frankly, the original Nutty Professor was. Mm. Like, I think the original Nutty Professor is is a really smart, mean, in the best way film. Like, like, like I don't know the last time you've watched... Uh, Jerry Lewis's Nutty Professor, mm-hmm. but there is a cruelty to, to it that I think really adds to the quality of the film. It's my second favorite Jerry Lewis film. You know, I'm a Family Jewels man. Speaking of somebody uh, playing multiple characters, mm. Family Jewels is my favorite Jerry Lewis film, but The Nutty Professor is a close second. Mm. And for Buddy Love to work, there has to be a cruelty to him. Like there has to be something to him that, that it is literally a dark side. Yeah. And I think Eddie Murphy doesn't quite hit that with his buddy love. His buddy love is loud. His buddy love is abrasive, but his buddy love does not have the cruelty and the coldness that makes buddy love work and on the flip side i think the outrageousness of the fat suit gets in the way of sherman being as fully humanized as i think he very much could be like i think it's there it's just all hidden inside of this fat suit Hmm. and what i really wish in 2020 speaking of dolomite is my name I wish Eddie Murphy hadn't have, hadn't have gone so broad with the makeup. Like I wish you you know he has a bit of padding in Dolomite. Like I wish if he had to go that route. I mean frankly I think he could have gone the Jerry Lewis route. Like I don't think he needed the costume. Like I think he could have just played I think Eddie Murphy is a good enough actor that he could have actually played two characters much like Jerry Lewis did, and then just have this transformation. So that at the end of the day, I like the Nutty Professor, even though I, it doesn't, again, I, I probably shouldn't. Like, mm-hmm. like knowing me, I shouldn't, but I do. Okay. Well... I came into this uh, episode as I walked across the room to the microphone. I looked myself in the mirror and I said, Len, you're not going to make any friends tonight. I really did not like this movie. Okay. Um, And I remember with fondness going and watching the nutty professor in the movie theaters laughing my butt off at this movie especially at the scenes with the clumps 
you know, with with him in the family. Um, it's it's interesting that you mentioned how restrained it is that they are in the film. Their scenes were almost cut from the movie. They didn't mm-hmm. want. Uh, they thought that it was it distracted from the film, and they didn't re- and it didn't add anything to the story. But when they saw the reaction to the clumps, they knew that they had to keep them in there and thus build up their roles in the sequel. Uh, Nutty Professor 2 colon The, the Clumps. clumps. <laughs> um, so and I laughed at, out loud at that film. Um, this was another film where Eddie was you know putting all of his talents on blast jumping in and out of suits but you know a, a man of you know many faces in one in one movie um and i was with it now there was a part of me even then in 1996 that was wondering why is he taking all this on by himself where's arsenio who shared the load in coming to america you know sure um and then i thought about it then but i think in 1996 i just didn't have the mindset to even while i know i thought that I just didn't even have the mindset to even process it or, or even care because I was just sitting there watching the movie and enjoying it, right? This time I'm watching the film, and yes, I can't help but now I'm watching it with a critical eye. And I've seen it a couple of times over the years, and each and, and each successive time I've watched this film, I have liked it less and less. Um, one is because, you know, and it's a small thing for some people, but not for me. But as much money as they spend on Eddie Murphy jumping out of random fat suits, again, a bit that they didn't want to do. They wanted to hire other people to play the clumps, but Eddie said, no, I can pull this off. Did test footage of him as a grandma clump, which he, he actually writes is more or less him doing a mom's Mabley impression. Did, mm-hmm. did, did a test run of that. The studio backed him. Boom. They piped up. They pumped up the money for him to do all of these roles. As much money as they put into all of that makeup, they could have taken $100 from that and gotten Jada Pickett a wig that fit. I knew. I knew. I knew you were going to say something about Jada Pinkett's wig. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Bingo. I want to bet with myself. <laughs> the whole time she is wearing that wig, I am waiting to see a shot from the back of her because I swear there's a starter star on the back and an adjustable strap because the jaw does not fit on her head. And you- I thought it was going to fall off at the end. When he dips her, Yes. I thought it was going to fall off. Dude, I think that was the one bit of time that they used some of the CGI for Jada Pinkett <laughs> and CGI'd her, her hair onto her head. Because they said, it can't look any worse here. So we'll just CGI it onto her head. So. <laughs> so that was annoying me. That was, 
Dude, that just that just annoyed. It almost took me out of this film. <laughs> Especially when you're coming after. I mean, this is this is 1996. This is one year after Demon Knight. You know, <laughs> and, and I'm not saying Jada Pinkett had some star making turn in Demon Knight, but she looks human. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so that was bothering me. I knew we were going to end up talking about Jada Pinkett's wig. I know you so well. <laughs> and then Eddie Murphy jumping in and out of all of these roles. I'm fine with Eddie Murphy jumping out of all of these roles. I'm fine with Eddie Murphy doing all the voices. I'm fine with Eddie Murphy being as funny as he can. Eddie Murphy is funny with an ad lib, even when he's ad libbing with himself. But what is also on display in this film to me is another of example of the Eddie Murphy ego turned to 11. And there is no one else in this film is given any room for any type of level of comedy or pathos or anything, save Larry Miller, who plays the dean Mm -hmm. of the college. And that's because Larry Miller, as a comedian and as a comic actor, absolutely is incapable of not saying something funny. So he doesn't have to have lines written for him. He's just going to ad-lib whatever it tells me to do in this scene. The scene probably told him just to walk over here and he's going to just start ad-libbing stuff. It's going to be funny. You're going to keep it in the, in the film, right? right? Outside of Larry Miller, nobody is a- allowed to be funny. Yes. Case in point, the second dinner scene. Where Jada Pinkett is at the table. And Jada Pinkett, you talk about not doing anything in this film. She is called on in that scene to do absolutely nothing but look at a character and gasp with her mouth open. That is all she does about six or seven times throughout that entire scene. It's just yes. turn, look, gas. A couple of times she's asked to hold her nose because of the fart jokes. And yes, yes, fart jokes. And then with the fart jokes gets into the other thing that really turned me off about this film. Because the last time that I watched the original 1963, The Nutty Professor, was today. Because I wanted to nice. re- remind myself about that film. Okay. And I'm, you know, you know, I left the, the Jerry Lewis bus probably in my late teens, early 20s. Um, okay. And that's just because I've, I learned more about him out, out, you know, in the world of Hollywood as opposed to in front of in the films. And that kind of like colored my view of the guy. But um, okay. But the one thing I will never knock is the dude's talent, and I will never I will never knock his talent. I will never knock his, his skill as a uh, director and a, as a filmmaker. As much as some people may want to spoof it, spoof it, the man is a skilled filmmaker. In watching the Nutty Professor again, you talk about how smart that film is. That film is very smart. Oh yeah. And as broad as Jerry Lewis can be, and as the character the Nutty Professor is in that film, 
the comedy in that film is so smart. There are mm-hmm. there are times when even the slapstick is done at the highest uh, level of intelligence as it can be for that film. There are there are moments in that in that film slapstick wise that are reminiscent of some of the great uh, character actors or or slapstick artists dating back to the the. The Marx Brothers and right, Laurel Buster and Keaton, Hardy and Buster Charlie, and Keaton, yeah, yeah, all absolutely. of them. There's there's beautiful work by Jerry Lewis in that scene. There is a scene in that movie, basically the introduction to the Nutty Professor, the, the, his character, um, who, where he, there is no dialogue for maybe mm-hmm. five whole minutes of an introduction to him. And yet in that introduction with no dialogue between him and only one other character, the Dean of the the college in that film, you get all you need from the character. That is just how smart that film is. And the smartness continues it with every single beat of that film. Fast forward to 1996, fast forward to Eddie Murphy and the color purple. And there are two things that are rubbing, bumping up against this film. Actually, three things. One, this film stars Eddie Murphy coming off of his success of the 80s, some of it starting to wane a little bit. So like you mm-hmm. said, this is his entree into the second wave of his of his career. But that second wave of hits for Eddie Murphy, the, the Nutty Professor leads him into family comedies, which become yes. big hits for him. And it starts with the Nutty Professor, but the Nutty Professor has a it sits at a weird nexus where Eddie Murphy is trying to marry the Eddie Murphy of the 80s, that very loud, profane, boisterous, some might say obnoxious, some might say smart aleck character with the um domestic Eddie Murphy that is to come. And this film sits right at the nexus of that and and tries to be a, all of that at the same time wrapped up in a film that is PG-13. That's the rating for this film. Yes, it is. And yet with that rating, there is, like you said, there is a ton of fart jokes. There are yeah. at least... I I think conservatively you could count 30 fart jokes in this yeah, film. And, a lot of fart jokes. And I don't have, I'm not against fart humor, but when it's 30 jokes, but they're all the same joke, yes, then yeah. that becomes very, very redundant. And that shows that you are just preaching to the lowest common denominator. You know what I mean? Um, then there is a because of how Eddie Murphy's rendition of Buddy Love comes off, like you said, he's so loud with his obnoxiousness, you know? Yeah. And he is so um he he is so, you know, wild with it. Like yeah. from the beginning, there like he he his obnoxiousness is already on a 10, you know? Yeah. So though by the end of the film, it's on it's it's at a 25 and it's 
all over the place and it's loud and no target is safe from him in the film there it makes absolutely zero sense that the character of Jada Pinkett that they try to set up in this film would even be attracted would to him. Would even be attracted to him upon their first meeting. And, yeah. and you know, it, it doesn't make any sense. Now, I, I contrast that with the 1963's uh, Buddy Love, Jerry Lewis, and the actress Stella Sella Stevens. Some might say, well, did, did the same thing happened in that film. In that film, Buddy Love is, he's obnoxious. Like you said, there's a cruelty to him, right? I, was about but, to say, I don't even think he's obnoxious, but I do think he's cruel. He is cruel. There's a bit of an obnoxiousness to him, but it's wrapped in this lounge lizard, lizard um, uh, persona that you could see a student at a college, which is what the Stella Stevens character is supposed to be. You, which we never talk about that. Right. <laughs> you could see a college student perhaps being enthralled by that. And him yeah. being having the gift for gab as he does show, you know, being able to slowly start to wrap her around her fingers un until she begins to unwrap herself and actually see what the true professor you know has to offer to her cut to 1996 jada pinkett's character it's not a student at the class she's a teacher as well she's a well she's a grad student she's also super young okay she's a grad student but yeah. but I, you're you're meant to believe that she is an a woman you know right. not 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 some young you know you know, naive, naive um, college freshman sophomore or something like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because Stella Stevens character is really young. Right. In The Nutty Professor. Yeah. So so they don't even give the character as they've written her on on the page the respect of having any self-respect to fall for this knucklehead. Right. Not once. But twice. Because he treats her like trash, and then she still goes out to dinner with him right. after that. It absolutely makes no sense. But but that is the crassness of this film. Put that in with the fart jokes, with, with also the very, very um, rampant use of the N-word in this film. I don't have anything wrong with using the N-word in, in a movie. But if your movie is trying to walk that line be between being a comedy, possibly a romantic comedy, and um, a family film, you might want to think twice about throwing that word around as liberally as you do in this, in this film. Um, and to my ears now, watching it, while there were some moments when it came off as natural and, and funny, there were a, a lot of times it just really like I bumped up against it and it just felt forced and it felt like it didn't fit in with the film. Um, and I also, as much as I wanted to feel for 
for uh, Sherman Klump. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel for him. I didn't feel for. No, oh, that's interesting. I mean, they, I mean, they set him up that like, yeah, he's a bit of a sad sack. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think the other thing that this movie loses from the original is that the original, the whole, you know, journey of the professor to Buddy Love takes place over the course of six months. Six, seven months. It is all right. in the text. Him mentioning like, well, I've been at this for six months trying to do the exercise and the exercises are not working for me. Now I'm thinking that maybe the chemicals may be the way to go. And he's keeping this journal to himself. And he's and through the journal, he's taking us through this journey of exploration. And it is through that. That's why you feel for him, because you feel for him taking all these f making all these efforts and he's down to his last resort you know clump you you walk in and he's this big fat you know dude living his life maybe not totally happy with his with himself but you don't see he, he you don't see the despair in him only until jada pinkett walks in and all of a sudden <laughs> I've, I've got to make a change. And within a week, he is already, oh, this ain't going to work. And I got to take my, I got to take the drink. Well, I mean, in the film's defense, it's after he, the cruelty of, of, of Reggie at the club. Okay. Like, like I think the film wants you to, to think that this, this type of, of, of mockery mm -hmm. pushes him into that. Now, whether or not you buy that, I, I think is is fair, especially if you compare it to the original. But they do like like I, again. I think one of the the more interesting aspects of the film, and this kind of confuses me about Jada Pinkett's character. Like you get the sense that it could have worked out anyway. Mm -hmm. like he didn't need to do all this like she liked him like the first thing she said to him you know I respect your mind I followed your work they have great conversation at dinner it's just this other thing gets triggered and and to your point with her at, at the second dinner I disagree with you a little bit that's actually my favorite Jada Pinkett moment because I think she kind of threads the needle of being you know, mortified, but also strangely charmed. Like if you've ever been with a loved one and they have a wild relative mm -hmm. and you're like, it, it's almost like a badge of honor that your loved one brought you, that your significant other brought you around this person. Cause it's like, they're opening themselves up to you. So that I actually kind of oh, like, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about, I, I'm not talking about at that at second dinner. dinner. I'm not talking about that at that second dinner with Sherman. I'm talking about when she goes out to dinner with oh, Buddy with, Love. Oh, with, with Buddy Love. Yeah, with, yeah. Well, that, that, yes. And I think, I think in a lot of ways, comparing this one to, first of all, in the film's defense and in Eddie Murphy's defense, where you said it's a one-man show, The Nutty Professor from 1963 is also a one-man show. Like it really is just Jerry Lewis. 
And Stella Stevens is there to just sort of have her mouth open and look at Buddy. Like, like no one else is in The Nutty Professor except Jerry Lewis. Well, that's true. I'll give and you arguably, that. And, and, you know, and arguably, that was the critique of Jerry Lewis mm-hmm. as he got big. You know, I just said my, fa- my favorite Jerry Lewis movie, The Family Jewels, He's he plays him. like seven different characters. Yeah, yeah. And according to Dean Martin, or, or one version of Dean Martin, that's why the that's why the partnership broke up. Mm-hmm. So, in a lot of ways, that's Eddie Murphy just following the 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 pattern of of the Nutty Professor and of Jerry Lewis. You know, just him. But I think where 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 Eddie Murphy ultimately drops the ball, and I'm gonna go back to the prosthetics and the fat suit. Mm-hmm. I feel like Eddie Murphy almost didn't trust himself. Mm. And he defaulted to this noise. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like, like you said, he's loud, he's obnoxious, he's all of these things. And as we found, and, and I'm, I'm just going to keep saying it, like you, you get little snippets of it here and there, whether it's Dream Girls, whether it's, it's you know, Dolomite Is My Name, there's an actor in there. Yeah. Like there's actually an actor in there. Yep. yep. But but oftentimes it's like Eddie Murphy doesn't have the confidence in that part of his skill set mm-hmm. to not lean on this other stuff. And then not for nothing. I, I think he hides in the fat suits. You know, I think he hides in, in 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 the costumes and in the makeup, and and unfortunate. And I think that's fine when they're side characters. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I think the great thing about coming to America is that he plays Prince Akeem, and Prince Akeem is the protagonist. Mm-hmm. The problem in this is that it's him in the fat suit as the protagonist. Right. Right. So that kind of gets in the way of all. And and you know, I don't know how many people. Like I don't know how you're not making any friends because I think I think you're right about all of it. Like you're saying you don't mind fart jokes. What I put in my notes is that there hasn't been a funny fart joke since Blazing Saddles. Point. Like 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 Mel Brooks pretty much closed the door on fart jokes. Good point. Good point. So I thought that's really interesting what you said about him trying to straddle the line between old Eddie Murphy. And this Eddie Murphy that he then becomes in the nineties. Yeah, because I'm I'm looking at his filmography now, which is something that you can't help but do sometimes when you review Eddie Murphy films. So the Nutty right. Professor comes comes out in 1996. His three films before that, you know, you've got the you've got oh, Boomer, yeah. you got Boomerang in 1992. Now Boomerang, you know, say what you want, is definitely an urban hit. But I don't think right. anybody would say it was a, a, a huge hit. But it was a, a, right. a it was a solid enough a film. But then his three films after that are The Distinguished Gentleman, mm-hmm. Beverly Hills Cop Three, right, right, trying to dip back into that, right, and Vampire in Brooklyn, right. You know, so right. And by the time we get to, you know, nineteen ninety six and. The Nutty Professor, Eddie's Eddie. You like you say he he probably is trying a little bit too hard. 
you know? He yeah. probably is pushing oh, yeah. a bit. And yeah. and I think ultimately it shows. Um, I see what you're saying about the, the original being a one-man show too because it is all Jerry and Stella Stevens for the most part. And Stella Stevens, you know, let's face it, Stella Stevens is not going to be confused with Meryl Streep anytime soon. Um, no, no. But, but she, I, I do feel even in that limited capacity, she and her character are given more room to breathe, more to do, more avenues to go down and potentially grow in the original than Jada Pinkett's character in this. So much so that at the end of this film, the end of the original, her character uh, gives a little wink to the audience of an in-joke that she lets them in on and you're right there with her because because okay. you've traveled that route with her. I won't give it away. Um, but and, and none of that None of that even little bit of nuance is here for Jada Pinkett. And I think ultimately that is the to the detriment of this film. Now, 1996, 20-year-old knucklehead Len sitting there watching this film. Sure, I was laughing my butt off. And to be quiet as kept, 53-year-old Len, if I'm sitting there and I'm with a bunch of people and I'm watching a movie, I'm laughing my butt off as well. But there's also a part of me that that looking at it with a critical eye can just say, this movie is okay, but mm-hmm. ultimately I think it is a failure, uh, uh, critically. It works. It works for what it's doing and it knows right. its audience and it's going there and it's getting them and God right. bless it. God bless it. And I'm definitely will, I'm still, you know, a a staunch traveler on the Eddie Murphy train. Um, but ultimately I this this movie just it just it doesn't age well with me. I think that's fair. I think doesn't age well is actually the perfect critique of this film. Yeah. I think Dungeon doesn't age well is the perfect critique of this film. Even though, you know, again, I look, I'm I'm not look. I cracked up both scenes. Like those were actually those are actually the only scenes that made me laugh out loud. Those didn't make me laugh. Dinner, the two dinner scenes with the clumps made me laugh out loud. And I do think it is it it, it is it is a testament to Eddie Murphy riffing. It is a testament to Eddie Murphy riffing. Mm-hmm. And but 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 I think you're right. I don't think it ages that well. I think this is a film that I would not be against 2020 Eddie Murphy remaking. Mm. 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 Like, I feel like he, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I'm I'm really curious to see what coming to America is like, because I, I, I got the sense Dolomite is my name. Eddie Murphy was the most confident in his acting. Eddie Murphy, I think I've seen. Mm-hmm. I think he knows he's funny. Like he knows he's funny. But even in Dreamgirls, 
which I loved him in. Mm-hmm. You could tell there were moments where he leaned on being the comedian. Mm. And I think the the I, I think the stealth difficulty of the nutty professor again is Buddy Love. Like Buddy Love is the key. Mm-hmm. And and you know it's like you get fooled by the ah Brumhilda in the glasses, but that's not what makes the nutty professor, right? It right. really is Buddy Love. It is Buddy Love, exactly, exactly. So, yeah. as much as I dislike the fat suit, I think the I think Buddy Love is what drops the ball even more so for this for me. I but can agree with that. There you go. I can yeah, agree. Yeah, there with you that. go. Um, Aaron Fry, and you keep mentioning your favorite Jerry Lewis movie is The Family Jewels, which is actually yes. a film that I I don't like. Um, nobody likes The Family Jewels. Like, that's nobody's favorite Eddie, um, Jerry Lewis movie, but it's mine. There you go. Uh, Aaron Fry says his favorite Jerry Lewis movie, who knew people had favorite Jerry Lewis movies, um, was is The Bellboy. The Bellboy is great. That that's uh that's that's a the lot Bell of people's Boy's favorite. Great. That's the one yeah. where he's silent, right? He doesn't talk. Yeah, yeah. The Bellboy is great. Look, man, my favorite Jerry you Lewis s- movie is not a Jerry Lewis movie. What is it? Um, um, you know it. I've got Mister Saturday Night in my head because it's it's. The, You're the, there. Go ahead. You're there. King what of Comedy. It? I was about to say King of Comedy. Yeah, the King of Comedy, and and you you already you already told on yourself. King of Comedy is people's uh, favorite Jerry Lewis movie for people who don't like Jerry Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't like Jerry Lewis, so my favorite Jerry Lewis movie is the one that I think he's actually acting like himself, <laughs> and he is. <laughs> yeah. So, where do you stand on Buddy Love as um, Buddy Love's alter ego? Since we're going to have a Jerry Lewis moment. Is it Dean Martin? Or is it Jerry Lewis channeling his own worst instincts? Oh, yeah, because the argument... Well, the the myth is that he actually is doing a riff on Dean Martin as Buddy Love in the uh, the original Nutty Professor. Um, I actually tried to watch it this time, and I think I actually the last time I watched it before today was maybe like sometime last year or so, um, certainly within the, like the last two years, and um, tried to watch it from that lens as well. Um, uh, because quietly, I am on the quest for the ultimate tell-all about Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. I just want to read like what as much as people can tell what is the real story. I don't trust. Right, right. I don't trust Jerry's. You know, right, I, you right. know, I want to hear everybody else's. Um, I don't think he's, I don't think, I don't think he's doing Dean. I think he's doing Jerry. Um, and he's just turned, he's turned it up a notch. He's turned it up a notch. Um, the one thing that, that struck me in watching this film, and this is how, this is how much like, you know, uh, Jerry Lewis for all his talent, Still can't get out of his own way a little bit. And this is a very small thing and only a super movie nerd, geeky, you know, hard, you know, hard critic like me would point this out. Is that even in The Nutty Professor, when he is the Nutty Professor, 
And he's got the hair all slicked and the glasses and the teeth and the mm-hmm. whole nine. He still is walking around with his gold pinky ring. <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, I did not watch the 1963 Nutty Professor, but I did watch the old Black Magic scene mm. because I was comparing it to the comedy scene. And the old Black Magic solidifies what I've... He's 100% doing a Dean Martin riff. Maybe there. Like, he's 100% Dean Martin. Maybe in that scene, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But the question is, Vince... Yes. Will you recommend that people watch the nutty professor i mean you know again like i said like like you've seen the nutty professor even if you haven't seen the nutty professor you've seen the nutty professor like you know like like like, you know hercules 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 you know you know sure yeah sure (laughs) like like, who hasn't seen The Nutty Professor? That's the thing. Who hasn't seen The Nutty Professor? So, I'm going to not recommend that you watch The Nutty Professor. Okay. I'm going to recommend that you just YouTube all the best scenes from The just Nutty right. Professor. Right, right. Just, just, right. Because that's right. all you're trying to get to. You just want to get to the you... clump scenes. Right. That's all. That's all you... So you're trying to get to, although I would watch the scene with uh, Buddy Love going back and forth with Reggie. I've mentioned this before. Uh, something like 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 something that I quest for is footage of the two of them because apparently they really went for it. Right, right. Like they actually were going for it. Uh, Eddie Murphy and Dave Chappelle going back and forth, and people who were there. I feel like I've heard Jada Pinkett talk about this. It was like looking at two maestros mm-hmm. going back and forth. Well, so. it, it's not in it's not in the scene where uh, Dave Chappelle is going back and forth with um, Buddy Love, but when he goes at Clump, he says, <laughs> he says, I forget the exact line, but he says that he. <laughs> Had to put on his belt with a boomerang. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I I did rewind that scene a couple of times. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh God. That was funny. That that was funny. Yeah. So there you go. So those are the four scenes to the YouTube. There you go. About to say just YouTube them. For the Nutty Professor, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, George Kimona says that that SOB Jerry Lewis had the cruise I was on. Wait for him as he toured San Juan for three hours. Oh. Oh, well. Oh. Well, well, what you going to do? What you going to do? What you do? You just had a a few more drinks, George. That's all. You just had a few more drinks. You were fine. You were fine. Yeah, yeah. And and he is um he is Jerry Lewis. So yeah. 
Exactly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week, I invite each and every one of you to go to MichelleMission.com. And when you go there, you can subscribe to the Michelle Mission Dispatch, our new newsletter, letting you know exactly what films are coming out each week, as well as we have a, a special feature that we put into each uh, issue, each edition of the Michelle Mission Dispatch. So you su can subscribe to that. You can also go to MichelleMission.com as well as and hit swag and purchase some of your own Michelle Mission swag, courtesy of T Public, because every purchase goes a long way to helping us with our show and keep our show coming free to you. We like each and every one of you who hits us up and send us all of your feedback. We really appreciate it. And you're invited to email us at michellemission at gmail.com. Like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Mission, as well as you can and check out the Michelle Mission every Saturday in the edited form as a radio show on WPPM 106.5 FM Philly Cam Philly Cam People Power Media here in the city of brotherly love and you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday morning at 9am on WKDU 91.7 FM the voice of Drexel University the Michelle Mission is also a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network the Podglomerate curated podcast for your earbud pleasure all right vince next, all right next week on the michelle mission i believe it is my turn it is your turn and what we did this month ladies and gentlemen is that vince and i stuck a pin in two individual years and we have chosen two films from each year as you can see vince chose the year of 1996 and I chose the year of 1961 because I'm a crate digger. And I dug in the crates for a jazz fuse adaptation of a funky little, um, I guess you would call it a dramedy, though it's deep. Mm. And it's called The Connection. All right. Next week here on the Michaud Mission from 1961, a slice of black and white. Um, I don't even know what to call it, but I think you'll enjoy it. Um, looking forward to it. We are looking forward to it next week on the Michaud Mission. Until then, once again, I must say happy birthday, Vince. Really mean it. Thank man. you, sir. Thank you. That guy's Vince. I'm Len, and in parting, we say... We'll see you when it's time to meet again. Now it's time to bid adieu, it's been a pleasure knowing you, I'll see you when it's time to meet again.